the best I could describe it in under a thousand words would be <laughs> would be man cave. Welcome back to Ratchet and Wrench Radio, strategies and inspiration for auto care success. I'm Chris Jones, host of Ratchet and Wrench Radio, and I'm joined today by Jeff Beck. Uh, Jeff Beck is the founder of Beck's Garage in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Uh, Jeff's shop has 4,067 square feet and seven bays. He employs a staff of six. His monthly average car count is 180, and his annual revenue is $1 million. Uh, Jeff and I talked today just about the shop at large, you know, how he started the shop, his background in auto care, and then we dive into the aesthetic of his shop. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to see the November issue, uh, Jeff Beck has a very cool shop. It's very uh, mid-century Americana looking. He has a lot of antique memorabilia, which would kind of put you in mind of American Pickers, if you've ever seen that show, just some of the classic antique stuff that they find. Um, his shop is decorated head to toe in that stuff. So we're going to talk about that, how he became a collector and how people really wrapped their arms around that and got involved in the community to bring him memorabilia to add to his shop. Uh, we're also going to talk about um, his techs. We're going to talk about his service advisors, how they train, and we're going to talk just about the, the tools and things that they do in the shop that makes them Beck's Garage. And then finally, we're going to talk a little bit about Jeff's, uh, his passion for classic cars. Jeff loves to repair classic cars, and it's something he wants to train his techs to do in their free time when they have it. But until that point, he says at any given time, you can look outside of his window and you can see his lot full of classic cars sometimes, and it looks like an auto show uh, because he's one of the few in Oklahoma City who can repair classic cars. So hang tight, and in a few moments, I'll bring you Jeff. Well, hey, Jeff, welcome to Ratchet & Wrench Radio. Hi, glad to be here. Yeah, now, Jeff, tell us how you got started in the auto care industry. Well, man, that was back in the Stone Age. I guess like a lot of uh, young men in high school, I was interested in cars, vintage cars, hot rods and such, and not having uh, a lot of financial resources, I had to learn how to do my own modifications and my own repair to keep my vehicles running. And uh, that, and my dad was also a car guy. So uh, that turned into uh, dry, a lot of driveway work. And then as I honed my skills, uh, working on my friend's cars for a few extra dollars and the rest is history. One thing I love about your shop, Beck's Garage, is the aesthetic. You know, for our listeners who have not seen you in the November issue, tell us about that slice of Americana that is your garage. Well, the best I could describe it in under a thousand words would be, <laughs> would be man cave. You know, I mean, we spend, me and my technicians, my crew, we spend most of our you know, lives here, uh, you know, at least a good portion of it. And I just wanted something different. I started uh, uh, collecting, uh, you know, Route 66 memorabilia, old service station signs, restaurant signs, Coca-Cola signs, stuff like that, you know, old oil cans, many, many, many decades ago. And just stuff that I saw that was cool, I wanted it. And I wanted to put it up on the wall. Uh, you know, I wanted to work at, some, at a place that was a little bit different. I just thought I wanted really cool, nostalgic stuff, old gas pumps, old car parts, 
you know, especially vintage speed parts and cool old hubcaps and just collectible automotive memorabilia. And that just kind of grew into uh, an obsession for just collecting things. And of course, as the years rolled on, my customers and friends saw what I was collecting and what I was doing. And, and they were kind of my eyes and ears outside of the boundaries that I was stuck in. And they would bring things to me and gift things to me. And uh, so it's kind of turned into a, a bit of a, oh, I don't know how you describe it other than, uh, you know, some people call it hoarding. Uh, I, I think that's a, uh, <laughs> I think it's an ugly term for collecting cool things, but, uh, you know, it's just one man's junk is another man's treasure. And we just kind of strategically, uh, decorated our shop and just, uh, have just fun stuff around us, you know? So it's, it's very unique. <clears throat> it looks like a museum sort of, but it's actually a, a working, uh, functioning auto repair shop. <laughs> well, I mean, if you got to be at work for eight hours a day, right? You know, yeah, you know, you make cool stuff around you, you know. Yeah, one of the cool things that I liked about your shop uh, is that that old bottle dispenser that you have. Like when I was a kid, my grandmother used to go to a hairdresser, and right in front of that salon was one of those old glass bottle dispensers. And so when I saw that on your uh, in your shop, I was like, "Whoa!" It brought back so many memories. Like, where'd you get that? I, again, you know, I just collect that stuff, uh, you know, these old pop soda pop machines and old refrigerators. You know, we've got a 70-year-old refrigerator in our break room that is still functioning, an old pot belly GE refrigerator that I've had since the 80s, and uh, it's still going, you know, true testament to the uh, appliances of yesteryear, not like the new stuff now. You buy a new refrigerator, and uh, a year and a half later, you have to buy a new ice maker for it, you know I mean? And this stuff was, <laughs> was built to last you know, and, and uh, uh, still functioning, but gosh, you know, you know, they're just here and there, you know, I mean, one of my old Coca-Cola machines I bought was from uh, a neighbor that lived across the street and down from me a few houses. And he was an antique dealer. And I drove by and I saw it sitting down his at the end of his driveway, kind of peeking around the corner of his house. And I approached him one day and I said, is that old Coca-Cola machine I see out there? And he was like, yeah, I got it for my antique shop. And I said, well, let me go look at it. He says, well, it doesn't work, so it wouldn't be any good to you. And I said, well, now hang on. I'm pretty handy with things. So I looked at it and I saw the, uh, you know, it turns out, you know, it was a very simple fix. And I bought it from him for a hundred bucks, you know, and and it, that was 25 years ago. And you know, it's I use it in the shop every day. We put, uh, you know, soda pop and our drinks in it. and uh, um, um, it's a working, uh, uh, beverage, ref, you know, refrigerator. So, you know, it's just kind of just how you, ha how do you just kind of happen on things? And a lot of these items, uh, uh, they're just right under your nose and they're still there, you know, those garage finds and those really, you know, really cool vintage antique -y, uh, things that you might be into, you know, you'd be surprised how close to home that they really are still. Yeah. Do you have a particular favorite piece of decor in the shop that you like? Well, you know, it's hard to say if they all weren't my favorite. They're kind of like pets or <laughs> animals or children. Uh, it's like asking which which one of my dogs is one of my favorite dogs, you know. <laughs> so I love them all. I love them all the same. So they're all, if I didn't love it, it wouldn't be hanging in my shop. Right on. And I love that you get your customers involved. Like people see that and it's like they feel invested in the shop by wanting to provide some of this decor to you. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a community project, you know, and, and at least it's that's the way it's kind of turned out, you know, because people 
see things and they bring it and say, man, I saw this whole thing at a knickknack shop or, or wherever. And I just made me think of you guys and I wanted y'all to have it. So I, I just tell them, well, let me, let me something, you know, it's kind of like that scene in uh, a Christmas story where the old man's plugging in the, the lights of the Christmas tree and he's got that strand that's already got 27 plugins on it. And, you know, he plugs one more in and it pops the fuse, you know, it's like, well, it's just one too many. I'm going to have to something, something's <laughs> going to have to be pushed off the back of the shelf if I scoot one more thing on there. <laughs> I, I want our customers and our community to feel invested and I want them to participate and they do. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, so tell our listeners about you know the shop itself, like you know the the shop size, like in square footage, the number of bays you got, the staff size. Well, we have seven of us on staff. <clears throat> We've got two service advisors. Uh, actually, kind of they they work kind of like pilot co-pilot, primary service advisor, and then the other one's kind of a service representative or kind of a service advisor in training. And uh, uh, she uh, she takes care of all the front counter duties and. And uh, uh, then we have a, a service advisor that has a back office that he does most of the sales as far as uh, estimate writing and procuring parts and, and that sort of thing. And then we've got uh, two ASC Master Techs plus myself. I'm ASC Master Tech. And then I have two trainees. One of the young men is a loop tech and the other one's uh, kind of like a C-level. He's coming up and he's going to be testing for some of his uh, ASC tests here soon. So we've got a pretty good crew. We've got um, the largest portion of the building is um, about, oh gosh, I'd say about 4,000 square foot or so. We, we can get three, we have three bays across and they're two, two cars deep uh, with one little offshoot for a, 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 so we can get seven cars in the main side of the shop. And then the North end, uh, our building's very old. It was, uh, an old service station, two old service stations and that were conjoined in the seventies. So, and then the far North end of the building is just one vehicle deep, uh, three bays wide. And that's one of those bays has our alignment machine and, uh, every bay has lifts, uh, we run we run a pretty good volume. We run about f- between fifty and sixty cars through the shop a week. And so, talk about your I guess what kind of tools do you guys have back there? What sort of things you guys working with? Oh, we have we have just you know milk crates full of vice grips and a few claw hammers uh, <laughs> that we work with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm just all kidding aside. We have, uh, you know, all my guys are completely outfitted with all the hand tools, but uh, we have the big, all the big main, the main tool vendors that most of you, your listeners are going to know by name uh, that come by the shop. So all of my guys have, uh, you know, good quality tool chests and storage units and have top quality tools and all the specialty tools like pullers and bearing, bearing installers and ball joint tools and front end tools. And the, like I said, the, you know, strut compressors and all that stuff is, is supplied by the shop. So we have a, a specialty tool area you know, that we store all of our st- stuff. I, I require the guys and I encourage the guys to at, outfit themselves and invest in themselves by buying all their hand tools themselves. But specialty stuff is supplied by the shop. I'm a, and, and I'm like all of our scanning equipment, uh, we keep several scan tools on property and they're all outfitted with the latest updates. Um, our, our front end alignment machine is a John Bean manufactured or I think Snap-on owns them now, but it's state-of-the-art four-wheel alignment machine. Plus we have, uh, we do a fair amount of fleet work, so we sell tires. So we have all of the uh, tire balancers and tire mounting equipment. So we could do tires alignments. Uh, there's there's very little we don't and can't do here. 
And how about training? Like, you know, how often are your guys training? Where are you sending them to train? Well, we encourage our guys to continue their education, continue their training as best we can and as, as practical as we can. I push them. We pay for all the ASC certification, all the ASC study, all the ASC books that they need. Uh, and as long as they pass their tests, uh, Beck's Garage will reimburse them and we pay for that. Now, as far as any other training goes besides that, you know, we do have classes available to us from some of our suppliers. Um, they have classes throughout the year, evening classes that I enroll my guys in. There is a uh, couple of internet-based training courses that I have my guys enrolled in. There's a couple of websites out there. There's a couple of programs that your guys may or may not be familiar with, a very simple internet search to find it, but they provide these modules and you pay for them and you pay access annual fees and you can go in and take a module for a particular, like say, you know, front end and brakes uh, or drivability or similar to the ASC template where you can go in and pay uh, a fee, annual fee, and then you guys have access to these. And it can be anywhere from an hour to three hours long. And it's just video instruction. And then some at the end of the video link, there'll be a test that they, they test out of it. And they either fail or pass. And they can continue to watch that segment and, and interact with that segment over and over until they pass it. So that's a pretty good tool. Oh, yeah, that does. That sounds very thorough. And I think that's the best part is that they have to keep engaging with it until they get it right. They have to do it over until they pass it. And of course, you know, we have incentivized base for that sort of thing, too. You never stop learning. You know, right. we learn as we go. You know, and I've been in this industry long enough. You know, I was a frontline mechanic for 11 years before I owned or I before I I opened Beck's Garage in 1992. And so, you know, I've got, oh gosh, you know, that's how many decades, blah, 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 blah plus tax, you know, <laughs> 40 plus years of experience in this industry. So, you know, they rely on my experiences and my, my knowledge a lot. And of course, I don't propose to know everything. You know, I know a little bit about a lot of things, but, you know, I try to share what the knowledge that I have accumulated over the years with my guys to get them, get what's in my head out and on the table for them to learn. And so with, with regards to like things like electrification, ADOS, and some of the emerging technologies, have you guys started training on that already? I know that it may not, you know, it may not be a thing for electric to be, you know, where it is in New York, in Oklahoma City, but ADOS is almost everywhere at this point. You know, every car is automated to some degree. Are you guys starting to, to train on that more or where do you stand on that? Well, that's that's a little advanced for our customers' needs at this point. Our industry, as far as what Beck's Garage sees, the 98%, and I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you, 98, 99% of the needs that our customers are facing right now are not that. So I have not put a lot of emphasis on that type of training yet. Now, there are some things trickling and coming down the pike uh, to us, and we're starting to kick up uh, some conversation about uh, those systems. But right now, you know, currently, we we don't see a lot of that, uh, those needs. Now, you know, there are some body shops in town, some friends of mine that own collision centers. That's a different animal. That's a different story. They are seeing some of that because, you know, quite frankly, the newer cars that have some of those automated systems are going back to the manufacturer. They're going back to the dealer. They're not coming to us. 
unless they get in a crash. They get in a crash and they've got some automated systems, some radar systems and forward and rearward looking uh, stuff, uh, then it's going to need to be repaired. You know, so collision business is a little bit different animal. We don't do that. Something you told me back in November, and I want to revisit it with you to see if anything's changed since then, is you talked about how, you know, you had a, you had some young techs, but they were very much paper oriented. They weren't, they didn't want to do the DVI because they felt like DVI wasn't their thing, but they really liked doing the paper inspections. Are you guys still doing the paper inspection or have they changed their minds since then? We are still doing the paper thing, but I'm starting to get, we, as a matter of fact, Today, we, we talked about that a little bit during our lunch meeting. We, we have a, a working lunch every Wednesday, and uh, I have food brought in, and, and we sit and we have a uh, conversation about things that we need to talk about. And, uh, you know, I'm getting the guys a little bit. I got one of my techs uh, working from a tablet right now that's working with the service advisor electronically. The other guys, you know, they still like to use the paper, but they're open to uh, using the DVI. And, uh, you know, like I said, we're a small shop and we're just a few steps from the service advisor out to the bays. So, you know, currently the paper works for us, but I am getting those guys slowly interested and kind of, um, um, you know, they're piquing their interest a little bit on experimenting with the DVI systems. Okay. And talk to me about your advisors. Like, how are your advisors trained? Do you send those guys off to train outside or do you train them inside yourself or how do you handle their education? Well, my uh, currently <clears throat> um, my service advisor that I've got working uh, as a, a main, he was one of my main technicians. He was my drivability technician and he'd had some service advisor and management experience in the years past and he had injured his hand and I've had a little bit of a shakeup in our, our lineup here. We lost our service advisor, our previous service advisor to another line of auto repair industry. He's not uh, in the service industry anymore. He's, he's a salesperson for a, uh, um, a chemical company, but they, they provide a lot of chemicals for the uh, automotive industry. So he's moved on to that and we trained uh, in-house. I had that young man before he left help train my current service advisor. And I just trained him personally. And with the help of my previous service advisor, we, we together, we kind of tag teamed him and got the training wheels off and got him on the ground running. And he's doing a marvelous job. Now, I have been to you know service advisor schools in the past, uh, along with some of my previous employees in the years past. So I have a lot to bring to the table to show my young service advisor how to manage the shop flow, uh, manage uh, your estimates, manage your numbers, and drive the drive the bus according to the numbers and look at your audit your sales and for your uh, you know all of your liabilities and you know what we need to see out of the numbers because Beck's Garage I mean all, all kidding aside we have a fun time up here and it's a really cool place to work and we have a lot of memorabilia and hot rods and all of that stuff but we run the business by the numbers and and the system that we're using right now provides me a lot of good uh, data that I can steer the ship by weekly and that criteria I have taught to my service advisor so he can kind of think like me as far as having, you know, kind of by what we would say osmosis, <laughs> you know, he's got some, uh, some good training just by pulling, pulling on what I've learned over the years. Right. And so a lot of shop owners mentioned that they experienced just a lot of a lot of growth over the last couple of years. How much growth have you guys experienced since like maybe 2020? Have you guys gotten a lot of growth since then? 
Well, we like to see growth annually, and, and that's one of the things that we put a lot of emphasis on. And and we are seeing growth even in the midst of the uh, COVID uh, era that we're going through right now. Uh, we've seen probably about 18% uh, probably, I would say, in the last year or two, uh, between 16 18% even with what this crazy stuff that we've been going through. And uh, prior to that, you know, I like to see at least, you know, 12 to 18% growth annually. If we're not growing even incrementally, then something's wrong. No, right on. Now talk about the work you do in classic cars. Is classic cars a standard repair for the shop or is that one of your pet projects that you just enjoy pulling in from time to time and working on? Well, it really depends on the weather and uh, okay. which way the wind's blowing. Uh, and what I mean by that is there are some weeks you'll, you'll, you'll pull in here and you'll drive by and it just, it looks like a, there's a car show going on. You know, we'll have five or six, uh, or vintage cars, classic cars, uh, that we're doing service or repair or modifications. And, and then sometimes there'll be a few weeks where it's nothing but Hondas, Toyotas, new Fords, new Chevrolets, and, and modern vehicles, SUVs, trucks, and fleet cars. Honestly, it depends on how we want to book that work in because we are one of the last remaining shops in Oklahoma City that will do a fair amount of vintage cars. We don't have the shop space or the manpower to do restorations per se, but we have a litany of customers that own classic cars in various stages of being drivable all the way to completely restored that, uh uh-oh, my 63 Corvette won't start. Or I've got a 50, you know, or 63 Ford Fairlane that I want to install air conditioning in. Or I got a 57 Chevy that I want to take from uh, an automatic and put a four-speed in it, you know, so there, or disc brake conversion, or, you know, I just want it to have more power all the way to those that, hey, I just drug this up out of a field and uh, (laughs) (laughs) what's it going to take to get it going? You know, I mean, in the extreme cases, we just cannot, we just can't take those in. We don't have, I don't have the people power. It's not for the, it's not for the lack of desire to see those old cars run. And, and honestly, that's what I love working on, but we just don't have the room. But right now we've got a really beautiful CJ uh, five Jeep that was towed in that has been sitting for a long time and it just needs some a little bit of upkeep. Uh, we've got a 60, let's see, I've got actually got a, a 46 Hudson pickup that is a very beautiful, beautifully restored pickup that belongs to one of our customers. And it's been in storage for, oh gosh, a dozen or so years and hasn't run. So we've got to get it, uh, you know, get it back in, in uh, operational condition, even though it's fully restored, it's just, it's been sitting in storage. So you know, it needs new fluids and probably new tires and new battery, et cetera, et cetera, to get it up in driving condition for the summer. So, you know, that's kind of a, an example of, uh, of some of the stuff that we do on the vintage side. So, you know, again, it can be half of our, it could be 50% of our work one week, and it could be five or 10% of our work another, any other given week. So what's next for Bex Garage? You know, what's, uh, what are you looking at for the future? Retirement. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> retirement at some point for crying out loud i can't do this forever but i enjoy it i love uh coming here you know really what is in the future uh, honestly is probably um um we've even thought about you know another location uh because of just uh, the our previous conversation about the vintage cars 
uh, where I'm getting more and more phone calls, more and more demands for the vintage work because everyone I speak to, it's like, I cannot find someone. I can't find anyone that wants to work on this. No one who wants to work on it. They find out that it's a 19 such and such, and it's got a carburetor and this and that. They're like, they won't touch it. And, you know, you've got a good reputation or, or my, 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 my friend or cousin or, or my neighbor, you know, you did a great job on their vintage, whatever, and we want you for ours. And, you know, so that demand is really going up and I'm having to turn down more of that type of work than I really care to. So possibly a second location that we're, we're it's just our classic work. Uh, and if I can, you know, staff that with some some talented young people that I can either teach how to do vi- vintage work and some fabrication skills uh, and cultivate, uh, you know, spark their interest in the vintage cars. If I could get two or three uh, young folks that I could train to do that and find a viable location, um, you know, maybe a maybe Beck's uh, vintage emporium, vintage car emporium. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, that'll be phenomenal. Well, I want to be the first to know when that happens. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, and we're running out of room here. You know, we're over, we're overgrown here in our location, and uh, you know, with the growth that we're experiencing year to year, and that you know what yeah. we're enjoying right now, this, this, you know, our reviews and and our our online presence is really good, and you know, we're running out of space. We need people, just like the rest of this industry. We need people. We need we need young people that were willing are willing to stand up and you know go against the uh, stigma of uh, the auto mechanics or, or automotive technicians. I guess is what we want to say nowadays. But you know that you know that, that they can't make a good living or can't make a really uh, profitable living in this industry uh, is just a, a false narrative that we we all have to uh, we have to stomp that down. Oh yeah, absolutely. I hundred percent agree. Well, hey, Jeff, man, it's been great talking to you about your shop today. Been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy talk, speaking with you. And uh, we'll see you around next time. All right. All right. Looking forward to it. And that's going to do it for us here today at Ratchet & Wrench Radio. Uh, I'd like to invite you to follow us on our social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as subscribe to our email newsletter, which goes out daily. Uh, And you can find that at ratchetandwrench.com. That's R-A-T-C-H-E-T-A-N-D-W-R-E-N-C-H.com. And may the rest of your day be the best of your day. And we'll see you next week.